All right, let's get this thing going, man. It is a, it is an honor and a privilege to be speaking to you uh, today. This is on my way up here. I was uh, talking to my wife, and uh, just telling her it was really a surreal moment for me because, uh, you know, six years ago I was sitting in the seats of Elevation, and I was a lost college student, didn't know where I was going in life, and uh, you know I met Jesus in this place. I mean, God completely changed everything that I was ever going to do in life. Uh, changed the direction of where I was going. Um, you know, I met my wife in Elevation and, and through college and stuff, and so uh, I owe a lot to this ministry. Um, and, you know, one thing I want to do to get started, uh, something that uh, I believe our generation is missing a lot on is, uh, is honor, okay? I, I think we miss uh, opportunity to honor people uh, often uh, and show our respect for people, and, and there's uh, three people in particular that I want to honor before we get going. It says in First uh, Timothy 5.17, says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially this who labor in preaching and teaching. And I hope you never take for granted the ability to come into this place and hear the word of God preached and taught to you week in and week out multiple times a week. Uh, you have amazing communicators and amazing pastors in this place who preach the word of God without holding back. Man, they, they, they care about you, they love you, and they want to see you be closer to God than you've ever been. And so don't ever take that for granted. And, and I don't want to miss an opportunity to honor a few people. And first of all, Pastor Rick and Michelle Bezet. Um, I'm eternally grateful for them taking a step to come to Arkansas. I wouldn't be here before you today had it not been for them taking a step in faith and doing what God had called them to do. And I'm, I'm consistently thankful for the leadership that he provides uh, in my role today as I a pastor in at our Fort Smith New Life Church campus. Um, I'm also thankful for Neil Greathouse, Neil and Gina. Uh, they're our campus pastors here. I, I'm actually convinced that Neil Greathouse is a robot. Um, I don't know if you follow him on Instagram, but he's got the, the BDs thing going, right? I, I'm convinced like, that, that's how he keeps going. You know, it's like that little thing. He says it has to do with diabetes, but it's actually like his battery to keep him going because uh, nobody should be able to accomplish the kind of things that that guy does. Um, and, and I'm very thankful for his leadership. And, and finally, I want to thank and, and honor Pastor Amir. I wish he could have been here uh, this evening. But if you don't know, that's my best friend uh, in the whole world. And, uh, you know, I, I discipled him when he was coming through the church early on. And now he has surpassed me. I actually look up to him and the things that he's doing in the ministry. Getting to see him speak on the weekend. Did y'all come see him speak? Gosh, that was, it was so good. I just couldn't believe it. And I'm just in awe of him day in and day out, the way he leads at this church and in this ministry. And so, if you will, let's put our hands together for those people real quick. All right, and so tonight we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about failure. How about that? Let's look at somebody. Turn to your left, say failure. Failure. Turn to your right. Let that other person know. Right? I know, right? That's like the way to start core tonight. Everybody's excited to say failure. But it, it actually worked out really good timing because uh, if you saw our big screen this past weekend, it, it talked about failure and overcoming and, and victory and stuff like that. And I feel like uh, this is going to go hand in hand with that. And so, man, as college students, um, or maybe your career, uh, starting out in your career, you're kind of pressured into the idea of success, right? Like, like everything about college is really about 
succeeding, right? Getting good grades, getting a degree, getting a good job when you graduate, accomplishing, doing things, being successful. Same thing in your career. Once you get out there, you want to kind of climb that corporate ladder maybe, or or you want to be successful in your job. You want to do what you've signed up to do, what you've been asked to do in your job. And so just by the very nature of being in college or being in a job, you know, success is kind of pushed on you, and there's this pressure to succeed. And, And if you don't maybe match what you've been asked to do, maybe you fail a class, maybe you, uh, for whatever reason, you maybe you don't get a degree, maybe you've messed up on the job, we think that as failure, right? So we have this continuum of success on one end and failure uh, on the other end, and with those pressures, we can see that we develop a fear of failure, because we're asked to succeed, and when we don't, when we fall short, we begin to start thinking, ooh, I don't know if I should do this, I'm a little bit nervous, I, I might fail, and we start to have this fear of failure, and I can tell you this right now, that, that fear of failure will hold you back from anything God wants to do in your life. If you're afraid to take a risk, if you're afraid to take a step of faith, it's going to hold you back from what God has called you to do, and we actually see this in the Old Testament quite a bit. We see with Moses, Exodus 4, he's having a debate with God. God's trying to call him to lead the people of Israel, and he's having a debate with God on whether he's qualified to do it or not. He's actually trying to convince God not to even use him. He's he, 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 He's actually afraid that he can't communicate the message of God properly. He had a little speech impediment. And he, didn't, he was afraid that he was going to fail to communicate the message of God. So much so that he actually says, please send someone else. He's trying to get somebody else to do what God had called him to do. And we move, we move forward. We see in Joshua, first chapter, it says four times, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because God knew that the people of Israel, they were scared to fail. They were afraid to fail. You see, they had wandered for 40 years instead of going into the promised land. Instead of doing what God had called them to do, they wandered for 40 years. And it was because they were afraid to fail. They didn't think that they could accomplish what God had called them to do. And when they sent the 12 spies and 10 of them came back, and the Bible calls it an evil report. They brought up an evil report, and then they wandered for 40 years because they were afraid uh, of failure. And so we're going to talk about three things, just practical things that you can do uh, to change your perspective on on how you see failure. Cool? Y'all ready to write? Number one is going to be don't let failure define you. Don't let failure define you. So I've been working on this for a little bit, and Pastor Rick actually said that verbatim in the big screen this weekend. I was shocked. I was like, wow, this is awesome. Pastor Rick. So a lot of times when we fail, uh, our actions can actually be, we start to attribute to that to who we are, right? Like maybe you messed up on a test. Maybe you messed up on a job interview. Um, maybe if you played sports, you messed up on a play. Uh, you may have even cost the game in, before in sports. And, and we start to attribute our actions to who we are. So instead of I, I, maybe I messed up or I failed, we say what? I am a failure. We start to attribute our actions to ourselves. And uh, when God was starting to call me to Fort Smith, um, I started to take on some things that, uh, that I knew I was going to be doing. I knew I was going to be doing a little bit of speaking, um, a little bit of what we call MC. Uh, so what Andy just did, you know how we do that on the weekend as well. That, that person's called an MC, and we did a training right here in Conway, actually on the stage right here. And uh, I missed the first one, which was kind of nuts and bolts of stuff, and, and I was like, hey, I want to come to the second one. And so I, I got here, and um, Lauren Foster, if you all know who that is, he's the one leading it, and Dr. Q is there, who is just a goober. He took pictures the whole time. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know. And uh, 
we get going, and, and I, when I show up, they're like, yeah, we're not, you know, it's not like the nuts and bolts stuff. We're going to film you. Here, so you have like 10 minutes, write your stuff out, and then we're going to put you on camera and see what happens, right? And so I watched, there was uh, only three of us here to do it, and I watched the two guys go before me, and man, they were awesome. Dr. Q knocked it out of the park. I was shocked. He was, he did so good. He's just like so friendly and personable. And uh, the other guy goes, and, and he did good. It was uh, Ben Watson. He did awesome. And, uh, and then it was my turn. And uh, I, can, I can say that I didn't say five words together, okay? I couldn't spit out five words. I'm not kidding. Welcome to New Life Church. Couldn't say it. I get up on camera on this stage right here, and I couldn't say it. I wish Foster was here to attest to this, how pitiful, pitiful the training was. <laughs> it, yeah, it was not good. It was not good. And, uh, and through that, you know, I go home, and you, we've all had those moments, right, where, you, where you're trying to do something that you think God called you to do, and then you, maybe you didn't do it right, or maybe you failed. And, and discouragement comes, right? Like, you start thinking, maybe I didn't hear God right on this thing. Maybe this isn't where I was supposed to go. Maybe I'm a what? A failure. Um, and so it was easy for me to start attributing what I was doing to actually uh, who I was. But it says in Colossians 3.17, it says, Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And, and I want you to write this down. Uh, notice that our lives are defined not by what we do, but who we do it for. They're defined not by what we do, but who we do it for. doesn't matter necessarily what you're getting your degree in, but is it what God has called you to do? Are you doing it in the name of the Lord? If, maybe, you, maybe you failed at something. Maybe you're successful. Are you doing it uh, in the name of the Lord? And any time... Uh, that this happens, anytime that you mess up, anytime you have a failure, I want you to stop yourself. And before you try to attribute something like that and say, I'm a failure, I want you to think about who, who does God say I am? What does God say about me? Because the enemy is going to try to sweep in. He's going to try to come in and convince you that you're something other than who you are in that situation. And so whenever that happens, you need to just take a step back and say, who does God say that I am? And God says that you're an overcomer. God says that you're a conqueror. He says that you're above and not beneath. You're, a, you're the head and not the tail, right? And so God even calls, we calls us saints. And so just remind yourself of who God has called you to be. We all good? Is that clear? Okay. Number two. It's that God demands persistence, not perfection. He demands persistence, not perfection perfection. So I'm going to, you're going to get a little lesson in, in Amir's life as well right here. Uh, something we have in common is that uh, my dad is a foreigner. How many of you love hearing about Amir's? Okay, I got a hand back there. That's good. How, how many, do y'all love hearing about Amir's family? Isn't it amazing? His stories are 10 times better than my dad ever was. My, my dad mispronounces words occasionally, you know, and he doesn't do anything too crazy, but it's something that Amir and I have always had uh, in common is that uh, our parents act really kind of similar. They have like the same values. Uh, it's like all foreigner parents have like the same values. It's, it's really, really strange. One, one example, I was, uh, when I was in college, I was with a, my roommate. We were listening to this. My dad used to listen to like this weird techno music. Foreign, foreign people like techno music for some reason. I don't understand. This is like a, not like your normal techno music. It's like a, like an earthy, natural sounding techno music. And it's like a foreign language. So I'm trying to tell my buddy about this and, and actually got got the CD, the CD, 
You know what I'm saying? Y'all know that that is? CD is a big deal. Uh, I got the CD from my dad, and I'm playing it for my roommate. And I kid you not, Amir walks in and starts singing the same techno song that nobody has ever heard of, you know? And it's like, oh, my dad used to listen to this all the time. I'm like, this is so, so strange, right? It's really, really weird. Um, another thing uh, that, that they have in common is, is going to be respect and honor. That's something you're going to see uh, in foreign parents. They, they almost too, like, that's like the most thing they're going to instill in their kid. Like, that's like the number one thing is they, they're going to have respect and honor, and they're going to teach their kids that. Um, another thing is that, they're very performance-driven, and I actually think this is something that we can all relate to now. Uh, our society and our culture has become very, very uh, performance-driven, right? It's like, do better, do more, be the best that you can possibly be, right, by doing stuff, okay? And that's how my dad was, and that's how Amir's dad was, too. Uh, he used to tell us a story about when he was playing soccer. Um, the ball would be on the other side of the field, and, and he's got these VHS tapes of his dad. Oh, Kicked it way back there, didn't I? I didn't even think of VHS. I thought CD was old. VHS is way back. Um, he's got VHS tapes of his dad. And that's the only thing you hear the whole VHS tape. I'm going to try not to blare you. He, he used to tell us, he, he played defender. His dad's like, guard the back door! He's just yelling at Amir. The ball's on the other side of the field. And his dad acts like, you know, like Messi is about to cut him and, and score a goal, you know. He's just yelling at him. Why? Because he wanted his son to be in the game, right? He wanted him to be doing something. He wanted him to be succeeding on the field. So he just screamed at him the whole time. Ball's not even close. Yeah, he's still yelling at Amir. Uh, and my dad, it, it was the same way, but he did it a little differently. So um, he, my dad was never vocal, like, out on the field. But as soon as I got in the car, I played baseball growing up. As soon as I got in the car, he didn't even have to ask. I'd be like... What did I do wrong? It was the first question I would ask getting in the car, like vivid memories of, of asking my dad, you know, like his criticism of my baseball game um, because he always wanted me to succeed and he always would tell me the things that I didn't do, didn't do right or the things that I could do better, right? And that's what society tells us is, is do better, do more, be successful. And, and I think working hard, there is absolutely value to working hard. I'm not saying be lazy. Don't be lazy. Work hard. Do what God has called you to do. I mean, I got a shirt, so it's work and sweat, right? I mean, of course I'm, I'm down with that kind of thing, right? So work hard. Um, but I don't want you to ever have this idea that you have to be perfect because that's what comes across. If, if we, society's telling us we need to be successful, we need to work hard and do everything right, and then we mess up, they're putting this idea out there of, of perfection. Uh, but, but Scripture actually tells us something quite differently. Uh, Proverbs 24, 16 it says, for the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. Notice, the righteous fall seven times. What does that mean? That means righteous people, they fail. They have things happen in their lives, right? Um, they have weakness. They have things come, they have obstacles in their life. But the thing that marks the righteous person is the fact that they keep getting back up, right? They don't let situations. They don't let circumstances, they don't let those things, obstacles, weaknesses, failure, they don't let those keep you down. The mark of a righteous person is the fact that they keep getting back up. Um, and that's why God demands persistence in your life. He doesn't demand you to be perfect, and he knows you can't be perfect. There's only one who was perfect, and it was Jesus. And he, he had to be perfect for us because we weren't ever going to be perfect. Um, and so what I want you to do is to, to change this idea of on the one end, there being success, 
and on the other end being failure, okay? And I want you to change it uh, to something a little different, to being success on one end, and then quitting is on the other end, okay? So it's not success and failure, but it's, it's success, and it's going to be given up, quitting, throw it in the towel. Because the righteous, they don't do that. The righteous fall seven times, but they get up eight. Um, a couple quotes. Uh, I listen to this guy named Eric Thomas. I listen to him a little less now. Um, I don't know if you ever heard him. E.T., e. the hip-hop preacher is what his name is. Um, uh, he's a little, he's like way businessy now, so I don't listen to him as much anymore, but that's neither here nor there. Anyways, he says, with struggle, without struggle, there is no progress. Without struggle, there is no progress. So he's saying that we need to have a little struggle. We need to have a little failure, little obstacles in our life so that we can move forward. Um, I, I saw this quote on Twitter the other day. It's not okay if you, it's okay if you try and fail, but it's not okay if you fail to try. And so we want to change that perspective from, man, failures at the other end of success. That's not right. It's giving up. It's quitting. It's not being persistent. It's not getting back up off the mat. Um, and then the, the third thing I want to talk about tonight is that God never wastes an experience. God never wastes an experience. Uh, I learned that from one of our executive pastors. His name is Darren DeLon. Um, man, the thing, he has meant so much to me over the years. Um, he is a great man of God. He is a great communicator, but he is just, he is brilliant. Like, I, I can't even really explain it to you, but he's just a, he's just a genius. Like, I'm just in awe of being around this guy, and uh, he's, one of, he's the one who approached me about an idea of moving. I, I was in the finance office of the church uh, for about five years, and uh, I, I had it good. <laughs> I don't know another way to say it. Like, it was fun. Like, the office is great. I was pretty good at my job. We were having fun. One of my best friends was, we literally worked standing up. And uh, he worked right here. Like, I mean, one of my best friends, he's working, like, right here with me, you know? I mean, I had it good. I love Conway. I've been here, like, 10 years. My best friends are here. Um, and he approached me about this idea of moving my family a couple hours away to help the church down there. Um, and you, you want to talk about, like, a fear of failure, Try moving, a, you know, your wife and your one-year-old son to, you know, a couple hours away, doing a job you've never done before. You know what I'm saying? Cre- creeping in, talk about thoughts creeping in, the idea of being afraid to fail. Uh, it definitely happened, but he... Uh, he gave me this idea of that, the fact that God never wastes an experience. And he, he actually went through the, the past five or six years, how he had watched what I had gone through, what God had taken me through, whether it was, uh, I was on elevation leadership for a while. Uh, my wife and I started the Conway Dream Center. Um, the leadership opportunities I had at uh, UCA and uh, the different experiences I had in the finance office. And, and he, he like walked me through this map of my life and the things that he had seen God do and how it perfectly prepared me for what he wanted, for what God was calling me to do, essentially, and, and the idea that God had put on the hearts of our executive staff um, for the Fort Smith location, and uh, and it was just amazing, and, and and it brings to mind this uh, this verse. It's Romans eight twenty eight, and we all know this one for sure. And it says, and we know that in all things, say all things, everybody, all things. Right, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been a call, who have been called according to His purpose. 
See, God uses all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, failure, weakness, success, victory, everything that you've been through, God can turn that around, and he can use it for good. He can put it together for good. Um, notice does it, it doesn't say that only good things happen, right? He didn't say that only good things happen, and God then turns those around for good. No, he said he takes all things. And so we know that even the bad experiences in our lives, even the negative things, even the failures and the weakness, God can use those. Uh, for good. I got two stories uh, for you. One uh, just happened last week. Uh, one of my best friends, he, he got into college baseball coaching, and uh, he, was, he was on the University of Arkansas coaching staff when they went to Omaha in 2012. He got a job uh, in Louisiana, again, Northwestern State, boo, UCA. Kidding me? Arrival of UCA, I can't believe it. Northwestern State. Anyways, he hated Louisiana. And then, uh, then he moved to Fort Smith, right? Uh, he moved to Fort Smith, University of Arkansas. Fort Smith was there. He took a coaching job there. And he decided after five years that college coaching wasn't for him. And he actually went into sales. And we were having this discussion last week. And he was telling me how once he started coming to the end of his coaching career, he was having these thoughts like, man, I literally just wasted the last five years of my life. They were a complete waste. I'm not even in college coaching anymore you know, what, what was, what was I doing? You know, I feel like I've just completely wasted five years after college. And then he said this, he said, man, what I found is that number one, he got to start coaching some, uh, at this academy with some younger baseball kids, uh, 10 year olds. Uh, and then he, he trains a few other ones, but he has a 10 year old team. He said, man, I have a passion to coach young, like little league baseball players. That's the, that's what I'm geared for. I love coaching that age group. And then he also said this. He said, man, and if I wouldn't have been at this sales job, I would have never met the girl of my dreams. And he got engaged last Thursday. And it was because he, he was at this job and, and he got introduced to this girl through the job that he was at. But, you know, he didn't see when he was in the middle of it, right? When he was going through the, the thoughts of, man, I had just wasted all this time. He didn't see what, what good could come out of it, you know, the wasted hours on the baseball field that he thought he had, the, the wasted five years. Man, God flipped that all around, and he sees the good now that came out of it. Uh, the other one is uh, our campus pastor. His name is Marcus Brown. Um, if you have got the opportunity uh, to hear him speak, it is, he is unbelievable, guys. I don't even know how to, He's like, it's like this. He'll, he'll tell like a really silly joke because he has the most ridiculous stuff on earth happen to him. Okay, uh, for example, one time, I'll, I'll give you a story. One time he was uh, going home and he, he lived in these like, uh, they're like townhouses, okay? And they're like cookie cutter townhouses. It's pouring rain, okay? He's trying to get in his house. He doesn't have any keys. He starts to beat on the door, you know? He's beating on the door. Nobody's answering. Beats on the door some more. Who is it? He's like, who do you think it is? It's your husband, you know? He's like beating on the door. He's like, I'm going to kick this door in. And then she opened the door, and it was actually the next door neighbor. He was at the wrong house. He's like, I'm so sorry. You know, and he, he had said some other things in there as well. Um, but the most ridiculous stuff in the world happens to this guy. I can't believe it. But then he like, in an instant, he's like, but you need to know this. And he drops like this spiritual bomb on you, and you're like, like oh, Wow, what just, ha what just happened to me? Um, anyways, so Marcus Brown, that's my pastor. He's awesome. I love that guy. 
in February, his wife was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you. I, I feel like if she would have been, when we have failures and obstacles come in our lives, you, you have a choice to make, okay? It's whether you're going you're gonna to internalize it, whether you're going to feel sorry for yourself, and whether you're going to have like a pity party, okay? Or you're going to turn around and you're going to use it to stick it to the devil, okay? That's the choice you have to make. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you. When she got diagnosed with cancer, if she would have decided to have a pity party and feel bad for herself, I would have been okay with it. Like, to get that news, I can't even imagine. His, and then, actually, his mom had, has cancer also. And, uh, you know, if they would have felt sorry for themselves, like, felt bad... I would have been okay with it. I don't, I don't think I would have been like, oh, how could you, you know? Like, I would have been on board with that. But, but see, God was speaking something different to her, and, and they actually turned that into a ministry. And so they're bringing soup to the, lady, to the other people up in the cancer department, uh, getting treatments. Um, they realize that nobody's there for those people. Uh, you know, we, we were always up there for Brooke, but the other, the other patients getting treatment, nobody's there for them. They, they take time to pray for them. Before the treatments, they would, uh, some of the, like, the wives got together with Brooke, and they made little goodie bags for all the people getting treatment. See, she had a choice to make. And she decided that she wasn't going to waste the pain. She wasn't going to waste what she was going through. But instead, she was going to see it glorify God. Because God doesn't waste an experience, and neither should we. And so I want to close with this. Um, You know, with failure... It, it, we can have all the practical steps. I love practical steps. Like, I'm, I'm as practical as they come, I promise you. We can have practical steps. But uh, you got to understand, it actually all comes back to Jesus, right? Anything in his word, th- this is Jesus right here. This thing, this is Jesus. So anything we learn that's practical from here, it actually all comes back to Jesus. And uh, Jesus took on the ultimate failure for you. Uh, we see it in 1 Corinthians 15. This is so good. Verse uh, 55 through 57, it says, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? I actually think, you know, I feel like Paul, he's even a little confident when he says this, you know, like borderline arrogant, it feels like to me, you know, like, like if you were trying to like yell at somebody like across the campus or something like, hey, where are you going? What's good? Maybe you're trying to holler at a girl across the campus. You're like, hey, can I holler at you real quick? That's how I feel like Paul is yelling here. He's like, death. Where is your victory? Where is your sting? It's this confidence, this boldness. Then he goes back and he says, the sting of death is in sin. See, we were all born with that sin nature. We were all born with that sin nature, and sin leads to death. That's that's the result. We were all born, really, to fail. But then it goes on to say, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I'm here to tell you that, that Jesus took on the ultimate failure so that you could live in victory. Um, and if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I don't know how these core have been going. Uh, come talk to me afterwards. If you want to experience that victory for the first time, recommit your life, please come talk to me. Because Jesus took on the ultimate failure so that you could have a victorious life and overcome any failure and weakness in your life.